Welcome to another episode of Remnant Call. Glad you're here, and I'm excited because we have a a guest we haven't had in a long time on the show with us tonight, and that is Messianic Rabbi Zev Perot. He is going to be joining us here uh, on the Remnant Call in just a few moments. And uh, folks, listen, if you have not kept up with what's going on, and Brother Zev, uh, you can check him out at the messiahofisraelministries.org and uh, keep up with everything that's going on. Just a, a few things. I just want to uh, tell everybody, listen, I know that the, this is a fearful time that we are living in, but God has got this in his hands. And he has not called us to fear, but instead to faith. And sometimes, folks, there are going to be some challenges in life that we're going to have. There are going to be some moments that we're not going to know what to do. Uh, we're not going to – we're going to be – let the devil kind of you know, whisper in our ear to be scared. But, folks, don't. This is a time when God has called us to stand up as believers. And even though the world is getting dark, let me assure you that the Lord is still in control and he's got a mission for his people, and that is to rescue the lost. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you've never brought somebody to the point of giving their life to Yeshua, to Jesus, you've never lived. There is nothing sweeter and seeing somebody go into those waters of baptism, giving their heart to the Lord, turning it over. And I'll tell you, folks, when you've experienced that in life, you will want to experience it again and again and again. We are living in perilous times. This is the moment when we, as the believers in Yeshua, the, the body of Messiah, are to stand up and to tell the world, Yeshua is coming again, and he's got a plan for your life. Well, with that, I'm going to bring on Brother Zev Parab, but let me share a little bit about his ministry and what goes on. He is the founder of Messiah of Israel Ministries. He was born into a Sanhedrin family and raised in Benai Barak, one of the most Jewish Orthodox cities in Israel. I don't know if you've watched the news, but I've seen some stuff about Benai Barak recently. It is extremely orthodox. And let me say this. If you've never heard Zev's um, testimony, we'll ask him when he comes on here where to hear it. You've got to hear how this man uh, came to the knowledge and faith in Yeshua. It's so powerful. Uh, refusing to deny the name of Shua, even when lots of money was offered to him to stay the orthodox path, to stay an orthodox rabbi, he instead came to Messiah and Yeshua, and it's a one powerful testimony, folks. You need to hear that. He teaches from a unique biblical Hebrew foundation perspective uh, about our faith in Yeshua and how we can prepare ourselves to be the bride. He also, every time I get a hold of Zev, it seems like we're going to do a program, but he's got to go run because somebody's coming to faith in Israel, and he's got to be there to help bring them to Yeshua. Folks, God is moving in Israel, and he's and Brother Zev is at the forefront of this, so keep him in prayer. And with that, I'm going to bring Zev on the program. Brother, are you there with me? Shalom, Brother Frank. An honor and a blessing to be here. Amen. And yes, we are living in prophetic and exciting times, and what a time, what a season before the Feast of Pentecost, Shavuot. Amen, amen. And I, Brother, I don't know how many times we've tried to 
to get together and do a program. And it seems like you always have to run to something uh, to to bring somebody to help uh, foster a new salvation coming uh, in Yeshua. And and what is the what is going on in Israel? Could you give us just a brief little snapshot of what's going on with your ministry right now? Well, well, thank you, Brother Frank. Well, I, I always do have to run somewhere. That's true. But I'm not running from something. I'm running to something. And I'm running to the to, to Yeshua to, and, and bringing people into the knowledge of Messiah Yeshua. We give all the glory to, uh, to Yeshua. We're small people with a big God. But having said that, with all that's happening around the world, with the demonic outpouring, also here in Israel, there is a revival here in Israel. It's it's I've never seen anything like it before. There's a hunger. Orthodox Jews that have been in religion are now seeking for something else. They begin to understand that what they're learning doesn't add up. One and one is not two, it's seven. Something's wrong over here. And atheist Jews that have lost their faith because they didn't believe in religion are now seeking for something. And they're able to get the gospel. And we're having a lot, a lot of salvations here, a lot of follow-ups. And so it's exciting times. Amen. And that's what it's about. Uh, I've tried to share so often the joy of seeing somebody give their life to Yeshua, how the blessing you get to be a part of that. And Zev, I know you get to experience that often. And folks, yes, there is revival going on in Israel. God is reaching people all over this world. And this is the last day. This is what we've been all looking for. And Zev, thank you for being out there on the forefront and um, and reaching uh, people right now. Well, I, I want to, Zev, transition to uh, what some things we, we want to share tonight. And we are coming up quickly uh, on into the time of Pentecost. And um, brother, there's this has uh, been a, a very uh, in the American church and churches around a kind of a confusing topic for some things. And, and I want to start off with a question. Uh, this is something that I've talked to pastors about and different things. And and that's you know, the big belief is, well, Pentecost must be the birth of the church. And so my question will be, well, if Pentecost was the birth of the church, then then was the Spirit of God even present before? Because that obviously we know that the Yeshua was told them to wait for the promise of the Spirit. Brother, th- is that really the time that the church was birthed during Pentecost? Well, it's the time where the body of Yeshua began to be birthed, if if I would put it in that in that correct sentence. It's not the birth of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always been there. It's the birth of the body of Yeshua because it's after Yeshua rose from the dead on the third day. It's after resurrection. It's after he ascended to the Father on the 40th day. And so he tells his disciples, I'm going to send you a helper. And the question is, wasn't that helper with the disciples during the ministry? Absolutely, because Yeshua... And the Father are one, John 10, 30, and we know that the Father is not. And so the Holy Spirit was there because Yeshua is also the Holy Spirit. But what he's saying is, I'm with you, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so that is the birth of the body of Yeshua. But the Holy Spirit has always been there. Even in creation, we read in the Bible and says, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, and I'm paraphrasing. What's that Spirit of the Lord hovering over the water? That is the Holy Spirit. We know Melech David, King David, that from King David would come what? Would come the branch of Messiah Yeshua. We, we read this in Isaiah 9, 6. We read this in many passages in the Bible. And so we know that when David was anointed to be king, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And so the Holy Spirit's always been there. And so a lot of people tend to think or misunderstand that it's the birth of the Holy Spirit. But before that, there was nothing. The Holy Spirit's always been there. And in fact, the prophecies were given 
to the prophets through the power of the Holy Spirit to write the word of God down so you and I can today can understand the word of God. And so that would be my my quick answer. Well, okay. So my question is then, why is it called Pentecost or the or Shavuot in Hebrew? What's the significance behind that? Well, first of all, the word Pentecost uh, it, it just means from the word penta in the, in the Greek language, which means fifty. And so, if we just call it the fifty day, it doesn't mean very much, right? What does the fifty day mean? But if we understand the Hebrew meaning of the word. Pentecost, which is Shavuot, which means the Feast of Weeks. And I, and I guess a lot of translators, instead of uh, going through the process, they just gave you the end. And so if you're saying Pentecost, you're saying in Hebrew 50 or in Greek 50. And so what you're saying is the Feast of 50, which means nothing. But God says it's called the Feast of Weeks. And the reason it's it's called the Feast of Weeks is if we go to Leviticus chapter 23, we get a list of all the feasts of the Lord. And every feast tells you this feast you should celebrate on the biblical calendar on the 15th day of the month. This feast celebrated on the 14th of the day of the month. This feast on the 10th day of the month, which means the biblical calendar. But on the Feast of Weeks, it doesn't tell you this feast celebrate on, doesn't say Pentecost, 50, celebrate on which day, right? It tells you how to celebrate it by calculating time. It's the only feast in the Bible out of the seven feasts that God is not giving you the specific day. He wants you to calculate the seven weeks. And there is a reason for that. And so the question is, why does he want you to calculate seven weeks? What's the significance of seven weeks? And what happened during the ministry of Yeshua and the ascension and, and the resurrection of Yeshua that's connected with these seven weeks? And so the count of the seven weeks, and it begins from the day of resurrection, which is first fruits. From first fruits, you should begin to count for the morrow after the Sabbath, which means the high Sabbath, begin to count seven full weeks. A lot of translation translations, Brother Frank, say seven Sabbaths. Now, that's an error in the original translation because, and some translations in English do say seven weeks. That's correct. And so when it says from the morrow after the Sabbath, what it says in Hebrew, it means Shabbat Tameh, which means from the morrow after the high Sabbath. What is a high Sabbath? It means that any day that resurrection, the first fruits fell on, that day would be a high Sabbath. It could be a Wednesday. It could be a Thursday. It could be a Saturday. It changes every year. The biblical calendar doesn't, but on the worldly calendar, it doesn't. So it doesn't mean Saturday and Saturday. It means high Sabbath. And so if you're counting seven Sabbaths, you're going to have a problem because if you fell on a Wednesday, you're going to have to wait till Saturday to count and wait, and you're going to miss the mark and miss the time that God has for you. So that's very important to bring out. Seven full weeks, not seven full Sabbaths. Huge difference because it depends when the week begins. Does that make sense until now, Brother Frank? Yeah, so you're saying the Pentecost could fall on a different day besides a Sunday? Absolutely. I mean, this this particular year, it fell on the worldly calendar on the 4th of this Saturday night on the 4th, June 4th. And it goes into June 5th, which happens to fall on a Sunday. It starts on Saturday night and falls on a Sunday. But that doesn't fall like that every year. OK, that's interesting, folks. Uh, I, I want to you've got my interest now perked to restudy some of this. Okay, so that makes that makes a big difference because if it falls every year on a Sunday, why doesn't 
Passover fall every year on the same day? Why doesn't tabernacles fall on the same day? It can't because on the biblical calendar, it's always going to be a different time on the worldly calendar. And so it's important to bring that up. I'm not sidetracking your question, but in order to understand the answer that I'm going to give, I have to clarify this, this subject up. And so seven weeks, you have to count seven weeks. And seven times seven is 49. That would be seven weeks. Sundown is 50, Pentecost. And so that's why we count seven weeks. That's why they called it the Feast of Pentecost 50, because they skipped all the counting and just got to the end. But you can't skip all the counting. That's like going to the book of Revelation and skipping the book of Genesis, the book of Deuteronomy, the prophets, and just going to, through Revelation. If you go direct to Revelation, you're not going to understand the book of Revelation because you've got to go back to the front of the book in order to understand the back of the book. In the same way, if you just call it the Feast of Pentecost and celebrate it, the Feast of 50, and not understand the process that God has for us to get to 50, it's like reading the book of Revelation without understanding the Old Testament. It's the same thing. And so God wants us to go through the pro process. And so the process is after resurrection. Yeshua, Jesus ascended to the Father on the 40th day. The Bible says in the book of Acts, he ascended to the Father on the 40th day. He tells his disciples to wait 10 days. I'm going to send you a helper. We know that those 10 days is exactly Pentecost 50 when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers in the upper room. And the question is, did Yeshua count the omar now it's called the counting of the omar these these seven weeks are called the counting of the omar now i'm not going to touch too much on and i touched on in a previous program is an omar just means a grain of wheat it means a uh it's a sheaf that's what it is and we know that yeshua speaks about the sheaves in many places and in many of his parables the reason that yeshua spoke in agricultural parables is because israel was an agricultural society that's what they understood. That's why everything is agricultural. And that's why even in the Bible right now, it counts seven weeks, count the Omar, which are sheep. Sheep represent uh, represent human beings. And we can see that in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not going to touch on too many Bible verses today for sake of time, but I will paraphrase a few. And so the Bible does say that sheep are our people. We find that in the book of Psalms, chapter 40, uh, that the sheep are people. And so when we say to count sheep, we're actually counting people. And so in the Old Testament, the high priest would go to the, the, the field and he would gather all the sheep up and put them in one bundle. This represents the one new man in Jesus, in Yeshua, one in Messiah, Yeshua. And so this is why Yeshua said the harvest is few and the, and the workers are plentiful. And the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. This is what he spoke about. And so God wants us. It's a time of self-examination. And repentance from the time of resurrection to the feast of Pentecost. Very, very important. Are we are we not to self-examine every day? Yes. But during this period of time, there's something special. This is why God wants us to count. And so we see that all of Yeshua's post-resurrections within the 40 days fell within the counting of the seven weeks, the counting of the Omar. He appeared to Mary on the first day of the counting of the Omar, on the first day of counting. He appeared to Thomas. He appeared to the 500. He appeared to many. All this happened within the counting of the seven weeks. And so if you're celebrating the Feast of Pentecost, oh, it's the giving of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's all true that the birth of 
the congregation, the birth of the body of Yeshua, Jesus, was birthed with the giving of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. But it's also important to realize that Yeshua ascended to the Father within the counting of the Omar, within the counting of the seven weeks. He gave his disciples 10 days to receive the helper within the counting of the seven weeks. He told his disciples to wait 10 days. Now, it's very crucial that all his post-resurrections that happen, all the post-resurrections that happen, happen within the counting of the seven weeks. He appeared to Mary. He appeared to Thomas. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to the 500. All this happened within the counting of the Omar, within the seven weeks. And so it's important to realize, and a lot of people like to ask, if he told his disciples that I'm going to give you a helper and he ascended within the 40 days, why didn't he just give him the helper and why did he wait 10 days? Well, because just like salvation was given to you and I as a free gift, it wasn't given. It was given to us at a heavy price and the blood of Yeshua cannot be taken for granted. It was given to us by choice. God is not going to force salvation on anyone. We have to believe. We have to trust. And then the Holy Spirit fills us up. In the same way, he had to give his disciples time, 10 days, to make a choice to receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same. It's, it was like a dress rehearsal for you and I today. That God gives us a choice to receive the Holy Spirit, a choice to receive his word, a choice to receive the manna, a choice to choose between this world and the gospel, a choice to be a man pleaser or a choice to be a God pleaser. It's the same thing. It was all for us today to prepare us for his second coming. And does that all make sense, Brother Frank? Yeah. So, Zev, after the 10 days they were in there, obviously the power of the Spirit fell upon the people, the gift of tongues. But when they came out at first, everyone thought that they were drunk. Um, what's the reason behind that? Because the, the Bible says, and I want you, uh, uh, if you could help, uh, if you could, Brother Frank, read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested, and each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, where... Excuse me. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked, said, 
said they are filled with new wine, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Praise Yeshua. What a miracle. Every time I hear that, I get goosebumps. It is a huge miracle. You, there's so much in the text over here, and I'll answer the Galilean part. But first of all, I want to touch on the part of the tongues over here. It's very important to realize that the, the, the Hebrew text, when it says tongues, it speaks about a language. It doesn't speak about people blabbing uh, some unknown language. That would not be a miracle. And so and I, you could fake that, Brother Frank, but you can't fake a real language. And so they were speaking a real language. The miracle was that he was preaching in Aramaic, which is biblical Hebrew, and everybody was hearing it in his own language. And why were there people there from many parts of the world? Because they were commanded to be there. They were commanded to be in Jerusalem in the feast. And so we have Jews from all the nations. You listed some of the nations there. I believe there were even more. But God gives us the, the list so we understand that there were Jews from all over the place, even con, even converted Jews, meaning there were Gentiles that converted to Judaism that were also there, the Bible says. And so it's a huge miracle. And whenever there's a huge miracle, Brother Frank, the enemy goes crazy. And we see it all, also over here in the text because we see people mocking. Whenever the gospel goes forth, there's going to be persecution. Mocking here is also a form of perse persecution. And so he answers and he says, these people are not drunk for it is what? It is the ninth hour. And so when you talk about, think about the ninth, the, the third hour, what's the third hour? The third hour is 9 a.m. Very, very important time of day. First of all, these people are Galileans, which means Galileans are, are known at that time as simple people. Not very much educated. How are they speaking in all these languages? Where do they get the languages from? And so he's telling them they're not drunk for it is only the third hour, which is 9 a.m. Now, whenever we see something in the text that speaks about time and God allows the time to be written, there's something very significant there. And so when we read the text, we just understand, okay, it's morning, so they're not drunk. But it's more than that. He's showing you something very deep in the text. In order to understand that, we have to go also back to the Old Testament because 9 a.m. in the morning is the time of the morning, the preparation for the morning sacrifice. 9 a.m. in the morning is the time that Yeshua, Jesus, was bound to the cross. We know that he gave up his spirit at 3 at three p.m., six hours he was on the cross from 9 to 3. And so right here, the same time that Yeshua was bound to the cross at 9 a.m. in the morning is the same time that the Holy Spirit fell on the believers over there. Because we know it. The Bible tells us that. And so what's the picture here? He's showing you that without that cross, without Yeshua being on the cross, without him rising from the dead, without him giving us giving up a spirit for all mankind, all those that would believe in him. John 3, 16, for all for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Without that 9 a.m. in the morning, the Holy Spirit would not have come. And so we see the same par parallel here, same mirror. 9 a.m. the Holy Spirit, 9 a.m. Yeshua is bound to the cross. And so it's a beautiful picture of, of that. So whenever you look at the text and you read something that seems to be simple, God is trying to show us something deeper. Mm. Amen. That, that is wonderful. Um, 
you know, Zev, one of the things that happens right after that, obviously, and that is the sermon from Peter. And what I always take away, because I, I I understand that sermon was one of the most blistering sermons given. Sometimes we read through it, we don't see it. Uh, but understanding that Peter told that sermon exactly how it was, even said, you crucified the Lord. I mean, it was a tough sermon, but because it was backed by the power of the spirit of the living God, the men, they were so pricked. They said, what must we do? And Zev, I just understand that when things are done through the power of God's spirit versus through the power of our flesh, uh, the difference that God can make, no matter how tough the words are, um, is is something important that I think, Zev, as believers today, we need to move forward in the power of the spirit and not the flesh. And so, brother, my question would be to you for the body of believers today, what should we be doing? right now in our lives to ensure that we're moving forward in the power of God's spirit and not in our flesh so that we can see events like Pentecost and had happened in Acts and realize it's not only for them, but it is also for today. It is also for today. Absolutely. God wants people like, you know, I, I had a, a brother here in Israel ask me this question yesterday. He said, I understand the counting of the seven weeks. I understand everything, but we already have the Holy Spirit. We've, we're, what are we waiting for? Well, when the Bible's clear that when the Holy Spirit fell, it says there was something like tongues of fire. It doesn't say there were tongues of fire. It's something like tongues of fire. Something appeared over them. And so that fire is the Holy Spirit. And the question is, do you and I have enough fire? And the answer is no. We'll never have enough fire until Yeshua returns. Every day is a sanctification process. Every day we need to seek more fire. And so the way that we celebrate Pentecost is asking God to give us more of his fire, more of his manna, more of his revelation, more of his word, and in the process to enable us to be ambassadors and priests for the kingdom. And so we need to be out there in this dark world sharing Messiah Yeshua, each one where God has positioned them to be. You don't have to be in full-time ministry Although you are in full-time ministry, whether you know it or not, it doesn't matter if you're working a secular job or you're a house mother or grandmother, you're positioned to be in full-time ministry. Wherever you are, that's your ministry. But you can't be a minister if you don't have fire in you. And the only way to to get that fire is ask more of the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. And so that's what we're waiting for in the Feast of Pentecost. We're waiting for more fire, more manna, more revelation. We're waiting for more of Yeshua to appear to us just like he appeared to his disciples. Mm. Amen. One thing uh, I, I find is very interesting, and, and this is, a, I think, a stumbling block for some people, is a lot of times in people's walk with the Lord, they're trying to hit this point in their life where they've got everything perfect. They, they're they not doing anything wrong. They're living uh, completely up to what they believe is the Lord's standard before they're willing to go out. But I see that the Lord sent out the disciples long before they had it all together. Um, Zev, my, and I want to ask your opinion on this. My thing to people is if you're going to wait till you're perfect, you'll never go forward. But I believe that through ministry, God helps to refine us and and to perfect us through those times. Um, Why we start ministry. Do I need to wait till I have everything perfect before I start sharing Yeshua? The only time that you and I or anybody are going to have everything perfect is when Yeshua returns, we meet the Lord in the air and go home. Amen. Until that time, we live in a fallen world, uh, 
one thing I've learned over the years, brother Frank, is the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I can tell you that the sanctification process is not just for a new believer. It's for every believer until Yeshua returns. The sanctification process never ends. And in the process of the sanctification process, we are to move in Messiah Yeshua. Because if we're, we're waiting to be perfect, it's not going to happen. It's, it's kind of like a, I had a, a two believers here in Israel uh, tell me, you know, when everything gets back to normal, we'll go back to the congregation. And I said, then you're not going back to the congregation because things are not going to get back to normal until Yeshua returns. It's kind of, it's kind of the same thing. Mm. Amen. That's good insight. Well, brother, thank you for coming on today and sharing some stuff. And uh, before we wrap up, uh, you have coming out here soon, and and I know that's not it's not uh, yet released and everything. But you have a book coming out here soon about the Chaldean spirit. Can you can you give us just a a one or two sentence in, sentence insight into what's going to be in this book coming up? Absolutely. Before I just want to back up, uh, I, I quoted earlier. Uh, a Bible verse about uh, the, the word sheaf. And then the, the Bible verse is actually found in Psalms 126, verse 6, uh, just to, for the believers to write that down, that that, that shows that we're, we're sheaf, okay? Okay, okay amen. Regar- regarding the book, uh, Unmasking the Chaldean Spirit, it's already, you can already pre-order it on Amazon. It'll be released soon. It's on my website also. Or just Google my name, you'll find it on Amazon. It's everything that we spoke about in this program today and much more. It's unmasking satan it's unmasking satan and his demons that's the chaldean spirit and it the book gets into uh the locations in israel that have been deceived uh the real location that i believe based on scripture is where yeshua uh where yeshua was found you'll find the baby uh lying in a manger and i i get into that i get into the real place of the resurrection which i believe is on the mount of olives and i get into all the deception that uh, Satan has been trying to uh, manipulate and cover in, uh, in, in deceiving. The Bible says he'll deceive the very elect if possible, and he's been deceiving the very elect. And so this book unmasks all that. And really, it's not just a book uh, to read as, as knowledge. It's a book really to help every believer, every individual unmask the Chaldean spirit. And together, if we unmask the Chaldean spirit, Brother Frank, Satan... Uh, Satan's time is is near, as the Bible says, Revelation 12, 12. It's not up to us, but it is up to us to unmask the Chaldean spirit. Ephesians 5, 11 says that we are not to have anything to do with the deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This is what the book does, unmasking the Chaldean spirit. It exposes Satan for who he is, all the lies, all the manipulations. Uh, There's a lot of shocking information in the book, uh, Brother Frank, that's going to shock a lot of people. But uh, there's also six and a half years of research that I've done on the locations, the true locations that Yeshua walked here in Israel. And so uh, it's just it's just an exciting book. And I and I praise the Lord for uh, for having me write it. And I, I pray to bless the body. Amen. Well, thank you for that, folks. Please, if you want to keep up with uh, Brother Zev and his ministry, MessiahofIsraelMinistries.org. You can keep up there. He also has a Facebook page. Uh, and folks, God is reaching people in Israel. He's reaching people all around the world. These are the last days. 
and Brother Zev, keep him in your prayers. His ministry, they are at the actual forefront of what is happening right now. And uh, Brother, we appreciate that uh, you are in the in the thick of it. And keep going forward, and may God bless you in everything that you do and prosper you in bringing souls to Yeshua. And we appreciate that. Folks, You, like I said, keep up Messiah of Israel Ministries and look forward to that book that's coming out. This is Brother Frank and Brother uh, Messianic Rabbi Zev Parat on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Trumpet in 